the Ready, Set, Go Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. My name is Brandon Elliott, and today we have an amazing guest, Luke. What's up, Luke? How are you, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you joining. So you originally started off as an appraiser back in 2001, correct? Yeah, that's right. That's how I got into real estate. And then you transformed over the years, especially the last few years, into building up a whole team, uh, partnering with uh, another appraiser, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I have a business partner who's uh, also an appraiser. So that that skill set comes in handy. And uh, 2010, when we got back into investing after the the market crash and restabilization, we uh, we started flipping houses together and building a rental portfolio, and uh, uh, took it full time in 2012 and. When I say full time for us, it was just more of a relaxed business, <laughs> and uh, we did it that for a few years. And 2016 rolled around, and we said, "Hey, you know what? Let's let's scale this up." So over the last uh, 16 months or so, we've been scaling up, and now we've got a, a full team of 10 employees, and we continue to grow. And our goal for this year is 150 flips. Yes, I love that. That's good. <laughs> That's crazy. I love those goals. So, um, I mean, team building is something that I really want to focus on with you because I feel like as you scale and get to that next level, that is, it's very, very crucial to, to your success overall and leveraging your time, but kind of just starting from the beginning, you know, what, what got you to the point to actually become an appraiser? You know, I was, I was managing, managing a travel company. And uh, it, was, it was a lot of uh, stress. And I ended up one day just walking into my boss's office and dropping my keys on the desk and said, I'm out. Took, took a few months off uh, living on savings and those slowly deplete as savings do. And thought, you know, what? I need to get a job. And I wanted something with no stress. And uh, added, uh, took a data entry position, which was way below what I was doing, but I was like, I want something simple and easy. It was an appraisal office and quickly got my license and that that got me into real estate and flipped my first house in 03. Okay. So you kind of just found yourself in there by accidentally, um, just trying to avoid all the chaos from other previous jobs. Yeah. Yeah. I went, wanted to do a no stress job and that <laughs> became a stress job. I started my own company doing appraisals and and uh, did well with that and then uh, started my own flipping business. So, okay. so how long um, are you still licensed as an appraiser or how long did you follow that path? Um, I, uh, I hung up my license in 2012 when I took this business full time. Okay. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm not, I know I'm not going back to appraising. Yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't the, the industry or the job that it used to be either with government regulations that they they threw it on appraisers because of the recession. They had the appraisers took the downfall versus the mortgage companies and the uh, realtors because the lobbying in DC was a lot less. 
So yeah. they were the scapegoat. Um, but uh, yeah, no more, no more appraisals for me. Okay. I actually, um, I feel like that step though in your, in your life, obviously, you know, helps tremendously being able to appraise uh, properties, the, the inspection and also the, the education on obviously the after repair value. Yeah, you know, it, it really set the groundwork for what I do. Um, but that being said, you don't have to go and become an appraiser or a realtor or a home inspector in this business to gain that skill set. Uh, a lot of the stuff that they actually teach is contradictory to what we do in the actual investing part of the business. Um, you know, there's there's good nuances to it, but you can learn that. If you, if you want, you can go online and take appraisal classes online. Yeah. Some of those fundamentals, uh, same thing with real estate or home inspection or construction, what, whatever you feel like you have a weakness in. So you can learn that by, by just reading it. Um, but it's the actual knowledge and using it is, is different in the real world. Yeah. No, I agree. Especially when it comes down to like a realtor is a lot different. How they're taught and everything is a lot different than the aspect of an investor. You know? Oh, yeah. Because most realtors, they all they all think every deal is an investment. You know, everything's like huge, huge. Win. It's under market. You can buy it for three forty. It's worth at least three sixty. Yeah, <laughs> you can flip. Yeah. So you make money, but I don't. I actually lose money. <laughs> exactly. But I I actually um, I took an appraisal class in the past just for the education and um, and help in that area, and it, it did help me a decent amount, but. At the same time, um, uh, I still hire that type of uh, that that work out just because it isn't my expertise. So. And, and that being said, just because somebody carries a license, yeah, doesn't mean they know what they're doing. Right, that's great. That's <laughs> good. We, that, that's that's actually one of our, our downfalls now because whenever we get an appraisal, and it, let's say it comes in low, and we look at it, we not many things get me angry anymore. I'm a pretty relaxed guy and easygoing. But I see some of these appraisals and I'm like, how does this guy even still have a license? This is just awful. Uh, but we read our rebuttals and most of the time we end up getting the value up and it's worth it. Yeah. I actually ran into that exact situation with uh, one of my properties in Ohio that, you know, I built tremendous value in it. And then I got the appraisal back and it was just, it was horrible. I was like, I don't understand how this person even has their license because it was just the, the comparables were, you know, shit in comparison to oh, yeah. you know, what it actually was. So I sent it back and um, it was just chaos, but <laughs> I'm glad um, you mentioned that. My, my favorite is when the realtor just sends the appraisal and then the addendum dropping the price. And we're like, that's not really how it works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and they never want to rebut it. So you as the seller are the one that typically does it. Yeah. Um, but if you're in a hot market, you don't have to drop your price. There's plenty of things you can negotiate on those. Yeah. Uh, typically, when we sell a house, uh, we'll pay for a home inspection. That's the first thing to go. Uh, buyers typically ask for repairs. That's the next thing to go. Sometimes realtors will even kick in part of their commission to make the deal work. Yes. So we will sell houses above list price. We actually have one that's closing today. Uh, two twenty sales price appraised at two fifteen. Uh, the appraisal uh, wouldn't budge on this one. Uh, the realtor was kind of not cool, <laughs> so we stuck to our guns and said, "Well, you offer two twenty. That's the price." 
And, like, and they gradually brought up, well, 217, 217.5, 218, 219. Pay the full price. Yeah, finally, 220. It's closing today. Yeah. Their negotiation skills need some work, obviously. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we were, we, we were played it pretty strong on this one. Yeah, that's good. Cool. So um, I know the other day we were talking over the phone and you were telling me about some of the projects you guys are working on. You said, I, I believe you said you have the team capacity to actually um, work on 60 projects at a time. Currently, you guys are around 40 or so. Yeah, we've got, uh, I was looking at the numbers this morning, we're at 43 projects active right now. And uh, the team that we've got in place uh, can easily handle 60 so that we we ramped up the, the team before we ramped up the projects. Because yeah. otherwise you end up just losing money on projects uh, first. So we, we, we don't want to bring somebody in necessarily in a, a FUBAR position of, of just a cluster of mess. Yeah. Uh, we want to bring them in at a time where we can actually train them so that all those projects moving forward get handled correctly and they are all part of the growth as well. So they get to see it. It's, it's, it's actually a really nice experience for them versus two weeks of hell. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That's good. Before we get into team building, because I, I really do want to focus on that. I, I feel like, um, like that, that's something tremendous. You're a master, obviously, at that, at, at building a team. Um, to be able to cover 60 projects at a time is huge. But even even at the capacity that you're at right now, 43, that's it's definitely tremendous. Um, let's talk about some some of the projects that, I mean, you, you can go into maybe your first projects or, or current projects that you're working on now. I, I want to hear some learning curves. Yeah, well, let's talk about the first one because the first one always has the most learning experience. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and I'm proud to say that I did almost everything wrong in my first one. Uh, you know, that's, that's the way it goes. Yeah. I did the work myself. Okay. And after you get electrocuted a couple of times, you realize that you're not an electrician. Yeah. Right. I, I lived in it while I was working on it and having other trades come in and work on it. Um, I made a bunch of different design choices. Uh, it, all of it in the project so long. I overpaid for labor. I overpaid paid for materials, and uh, uh, but in the end, I ended up making over eighty thousand dollars on it. So it was still a win. So it was still a win, but I learned a lot of things that set the foundations for my stuff moving forward. Of course, uh, which is more important. You know, even if you cut, you know, broke even, all the all the learning curves with it and experience, taking action. You know, I think that's huge. Yeah, and I think that was back in '03. And to this day, that was a condo here in Vegas. To this day, I don't think another condo has sold that high. So I definitely got return on what I put into it. Yeah. But some of it uh, was, you know, definitely lost. Okay. So what what kind of education um, ha have you had in the past besides appraisal? I mean, are you a part of any groups, masterminds, mentors, or anything that actually has has helped you? Um, we I lost you there for a second. Uh, what kind of uh, education has helped me? Yeah. Have, have you been a part of any like real estate groups or any, um, masterminds, mentors that have guided yeah. you? The, way? Yeah, you know, the, the funny thing is back when I started in 03 and all the way through that next five years or so, I really didn't know that there was this whole education sphere that's out there. Uh, so I, I just learned on my own. Uh, I didn't know about wholesalers and picking up properties that way. I didn't know about 
uh, hard money loans and then into creative financing and, uh, and different ways that you could really make this business happen. Yeah. I still was pretty successful in it. Yeah. Um, but when uh, 2010 rolled around, I started educating myself more because like most investors, I did get hurt when the, the market crashed and I didn't want to go through that again. So I changed the way I was investing. And the way I invest now, there's zero speculation and, and it's all built on safety. Okay. Um, and, and that safety involves getting educated. So I'm continually educating myself. Um, you know, I, I pay, I've paid over a hundred grand for masterminds, education, uh, uh, group uh, um, uh, seminars, things like that in the past. I don't go to too many of those kind of things anymore because I actually teach it myself. Yeah, uh, and I found that most of those uh, tend to be a waste of money. Uh, now, if, if people don't know, ninety-six percent of the people that go to any type of seminar, whether it's real estate, stock trading, vitamins, ninety-six percent of people that go to that, no matter how much they paid, they do zero with it. And that was one of the biggest problems I had sitting in those big seminars and looking around and just seeing these people that are just not going to do it. And the, the guys up on stage give zero information or just 1% of information. Now I was able to gleam a couple things here and there. So I made it worth my money, worth my investment into that education. But most of those people weren't, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why I wrote my book. I told you that I, I don't want people to have to go through those huge expenses. I mean, six figures is a lot of money for a lot of people Yeah, and to pay for that kind of education. You know, Hey, 10, 20 bucks for my book. There, there's so much in there that, people can take action with it. I mean, I, I just want to help people out and, and, and give them the starting so that they don't be one of the 96%. Yeah. I want to continue to educate, but be one of the 4% who's actually taking action and making it happen. So, uh, you know, and I, I've had mentors too. Do, do you have your book on you? Uh, I don't. No. I actually don't have a copy in my no, office right no. now. Yeah, it's the flipping blueprint to... Uh, um, uh, about, you'll you'll have links, I'm assuming, uh, for people to hit it up. But uh, yeah, and it's a, it's a real book. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm just about to drop a book, but uh, I got to add more to it. it, it it's not so much. <laughs> it's a little bit smaller. But yeah, it's, actually, the the best part about that is my book. It, it's geared towards taking action. So, like you were just talking about, uh, you know, it's so true. A lot of these seminars and education out there. People want the, I think it's, I think overall it's like that, just our society that we're in when it comes down to, you know, that easy pill type of mentality, you know, that they want that easy um, result right away without doing the work that's needed to get there. So, yeah, a lot of, you know, it's the whole get rich quick scheme idea, right? And this this business isn't, it takes work, it takes hard work and it takes dedication, um, you know, part of the, the whole seminar thing is being part of a group and having support yeah. and, and having people that believe in you. Because in most people's yeah. everyday life, they they have a lot of naysayers. Yep. It's family and friends. And they're like, oh, you can't do that. Oh, you, you know, uh, that's not going to work out. You hear that and you have to change your mindset. You have to take action, like you said, right? And, and, and to to have that motivation is is key, whether you're getting it. Uh, you absorb it through contact with people, being able to read it, watching motivational videos, even if it's just stuff on YouTube or whatever. Yeah. Um, there, there's all different ways to be motivated. 
but you have to make sure that you surround yourself with positivity and not the negativity. Because I can tell you for a fact, this business works. Yeah. Pretty much anybody can do it. Yeah. So there's no reason why the listeners can't do it themselves. Yeah. You don't need to be, you know, there is going to be hard work that needs to be put into it, but you don't need to be a genius by any means. Um, I'm living proof of that. <laughs> so, um, but as you were saying, you know, a lot of what I've noticed in, in groups and uh, seminars, stuff like that is the family vibe that a lot of people like and surrounding yourself by like-minded individuals because of, you know, all the naysayers that people are used to. So, um, so I definitely agree with you on that. Um, as far as what you built into, you know, you said that you, you took a hit like most people, um, when the, when the housing market crashed, uh, and now you've made your properties more, um, more secure. Right. Aspect. Can you go into details a little bit about exactly what happened with the crash and then also how it's more solidified now? Yeah, yeah, it's I, I was always tracking the markets. It's part of my appraisal background. Yeah. So I, I, I was tracking inventory levels and seeing what was happening and, and kind of where things were going. I actually stopped buying in 2005 because I saw markets declining, especially here in Vegas. Yeah. with realtors and, and all the hype that was being said was keep buying, keep buying. Even up into 08, when I think of Vegas, we had already declined 25, 30%. The, the board of realtors was still saying, it's time to buy. And it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, but people were speculating. And then um, whether they were speculating back in 03, 04, 05 with like new construction, well, the price is going to jump another 50,000 by the time this house is done. I'm going to make 50,000 for free. Um, we don't speculate anymore. There, there's zero speculation in our business. It's all numbers provided. Yeah, so when we're looking at a potential deal, I'm running my numbers on what I can prove today. You know, it might take me two weeks to close that property, another month and a half to remodel it, and then a couple weeks on contract before it ends up uh, uh, getting locked up and under contract and the, the appraisal for when I sell it happens. Yeah. So I'm somewhere between two and four months in the future for the value that I really need to sell it at. Now I'm not planning, uh, let's say Vegas is going up 3% uh, per month really was what we're doing right now. It's crazy, especially in the lower end stuff. Um, so in four months from now, that house could be, 15,000 more that I can sell it for. But I'm not running my numbers, anticipating that 15, speculating on that extra 15,000. If I get it, that's great. That's awesome, I love it. But I'm running my numbers on what I can prove today. Um, and that's what everyone should do. They shouldn't hope that they can sell it for something. They should know what they're going to sell it at. And if it sells it for higher, awesome. Yeah. You know, what's funny is, um, when I was first looking for a property here in San Diego, I I started just messing around with my numbers um, and started focusing on the appreciation, which in my, in my education now, I realize you should never, ever bet on appreciation. It should just be icing on the cake pretty much. Right. Um, but for a long time, and even talking today to certain realtors, you know, somebody was telling me last night that, yeah, you should just jump in out here because the appreciation will take care of you. I'm like, especially now is like, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe in a couple of years when the market actually does um, 
it's more of a buyer's market, but, but I, but I think that's crazy that approach. Um, so as far as, um, team building, you know, how does, how does that whole situation work? Like, how did you get to the point where you're at today when it comes down to contractors? Cause that's been one of my biggest learning curves. I had a project get extended for, for just about a year. And I went through five different contractors, uh, got screwed over on many of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, contractors in this business is the toughest thing. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't matter if you're first starting off or you've done hundreds and hundreds of flips. Uh, I'm constantly looking for new contractors and yeah. that's something you never stop looking for properties. You never stop looking for money and you never stop looking for contractors. Okay. Uh, it's just the way it works. If you want to continue to grow, you got to keep finding contractors. Now, I, I kind of have this 10 to 3 rule. If you want three bids on a property, you got to get 10 contractors out there because you're going to get, in the end, you'll get three real bids. You'll get one or two guys that just don't even show up. Another one or two guys show up, walk the house, do all their measurements, ask questions. They follow up over the next three days with more questions, and then you never get a bid. I mean, if they go through all that work, a couple hours minimum, and they don't even bother sending you a bid, and then you get one or two guys that show up and say, well, I can do the carpet and paint, but I can't do any electrical or drywall or, or you know this and that. And I'm like, well, it's kind of a waste of my time. I'm not looking to hire out seven different trades. I, I want to hire a contractor that can handle everything for me. Yeah. Uh, but you never, you never stop looking for contractors. Uh, now, as far as building your your internal team, right? So I, I've got employees. I've got salaried employees and hourly employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people always ask me, who did you hire first? Or who should I hire first? And my, my answer to, to the, the listeners on that question is, hire what you don't like to do or what you don't know. Um, I don't like accounting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like playing with the books afterwards. I, 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 I love networking and, and uh, finding the properties and designing and, and all that kind of stuff. But like the back end paperwork, I hate that. So one of our first hires was a transaction coordinator. Like here, I found the property, run it through our system. You take care of that. Yeah. You, you go schedule utilities. You, you deal with the escrow company. That, um, and that's, that's kind of the way we've grown. And as you grow, you continue to take those things off your plate, whether you don't like them or it's something that's not a high uh, profit item for you. And uh, as we hire more people, it continues to take things off of my plate and my business partner's plate so that we can do the things that make us the most money, finding deals, connecting with cheaper money people and expanding the business the way it needs to on the bigger, grander skills that we have. Okay, nice. Um, so, so correct me if I'm wrong, but um, your position in, in your team is pretty much um, building the relationships for finding money as, as well as acquisition? Yeah, so it's, uh, I mean, three years ago, we, we decided, hey, we all kind of need titles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I took the title of acquisitions manager because I was – like the, the lead in, in acquiring properties and acquiring money. Okay. Uh, you can't buy the properties without money. Uh, and so that, that's my primary duties besides 
being the face and doing these interviews. Yeah. My business partner, he's not even on Facebook. He's like, I don't want any part of that. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. But the, the, the funny thing is 2012, <laughs> yeah, tw- 2012, I wasn't even on Facebook. Yeah. I, I didn't want any part of it. I, I had a, an account that I set up in, I think, in 09 to just double check on a couple of nannies that we had hired. <laughs> I wanted to make sure they were out partying the weekend and you know, popping pills and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I didn't use it for anything else. But um, so now I've become the, the face of our company. And, uh, you know, a lot of people know me and like, oh, Luke, Luke will buy your house. My company name doesn't matter. They, they know me. That's kind of how we've developed this business. And uh, my business partner's fine with that. Okay. He, so, he likes to do the paperwork in the back of the office. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as far as deals, are you guys strictly only looking for, um, for fix and flips in, in uh, Vegas? In, like, the uh, no, we're actually in multiple markets. And so we really always have been, uh, I think we've flipped in 13 different States now. Oh, cool. Um, but right now, our primary market is Vegas. It's our backyard. It's always the easiest market to be in is your backyard. Yeah. Uh, we're also active in Reno, uh, Phoenix, and Houston. So we, we, uh, we've expanded to Houston over these last couple months. Okay. Um, and um, uh, primarily, we're doing fix and flips now. We, we'll, we'll look at rentals, but typically when we look at a rental, it's to turn it into a fix and flip. Cap rates aren't what we want right now. Uh, we, we, we like, you know, 12% plus uh, on caps uh, on, on higher quality properties. We actually sold off a lot of our rental portfolio to fuel our the, the stuff we bought in 2010, 11, and 12 real cheap, but it wasn't long-term properties. Yeah. It, it was stuff that was heading down of its life cycle, and that means more repairs, lower return over the next, you know, if we had, had them for another five years. Yeah. Roofs would have to be replaced. HVACs would have to be replaced. Just a lot of different things. Uh, but uh, we're gearing up for whenever the next crash is. Because there will be another one. We know that. It's where the markets go, right? Um, and then when that market crashes, we'll be real cash heavy because our flips are in and out. We average 120 days plus or minus on our flip. And when we buy it, when we sell it. That's good. Yeah, and then that's that's what we did. Part of our safety, like I was talking about earlier, we we play in the entry level markets for the most part. Uh, maybe one out of twenty houses will be a mid or upper level property, but the entry level moves the fastest. It's the easiest. Yeah, you typically have less picky buyers, and you can just turn them over. Boom, 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 um, and they're easier to just rinse and repeat that model versus a two million dollar custom house. Yeah. And we actually find out we get a greater return on our small stuff than our big stuff. And that's why we do our volume. Of course. Yeah. So, um, so you're liquidating all of your, for most of your buy and holds um, to, to actually gear up and be prepared for um, the buying frenzy that will eventually be there. Yep. And how many properties do you guys actually buy and hold or have now in your portfolio? Uh, we capped uh, out around 70 when we, uh, when we had them. Okay. Um, right now, I think we've got, I don't know, a dozen or so still remaining. Okay. Ones that are worth it to hang on to. Yeah, that's cool. And um, if you wouldn't mind any particular deal that you have right now that you could jump into the numbers? Um, yeah, let's see. <laughs> like, like, what is 
what is, I mean, I know every market's different, but what does it uh, typically cost for you, I guess, in your own backyard for, um, for, you know, square foot remodeling? Well, so I get some pretty good bulk discounts on stuff. Um, I think my average remodel might be around $14 a square foot. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the nice thing about working in the desert, now my stuff in Houston is a much higher. I think we're right around $40 a square foot because we're doing flood properties. Um, but in the desert, things last longer. We have less bugs and less moisture. <laughs> right. That's good. Uh, back in 20, uh, 2012 and 2014, we did a bunch of houses out in Florida and we're ripping out two story walls because of termites, uh, mold and water damage, all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so our, our price per foot is lower, but you can still find houses all across the country that you can do these lower uh, price per foot remodels for. Now, this is entry-level housing. You get into big custom houses, you can easily be $100 a square foot on your remodel, with depending if you're getting out or redoing it all, right? Yeah. So it all, it all varies, but yeah, our, ours are... Pretty uh, pretty good. Our average remodel on a say a hundred and eighty thousand dollar purchase on average is a twenty thousand dollar remodel, give or take. Okay, those are the numbers that we're running right now. Nice. And we end up selling that house for let's say two fifty. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So as far as um, getting your leads, I know you're doing it a bunch of different ways, but if, if you wouldn't mind, kind of uh, going into detail with with certain ones that are paying off the most, I guess. Yeah. You know. Uh, people say you can't buy out of the MLS. I still buy one or two properties a month out of the MLS and and there's good deals out there. You just got to be quick and know how to offer on them. That's right. Uh, But one of my primary ways to pick up properties is really through my networking, uh, whether it's with wholesalers or realtors, getting pocket listings from realtors is always nice. Um, But wholesalers as well. I don't have an internal wholesale division in my office. Uh, we don't do a lot of organic lead generation. That's actually my next hire. Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I, I don't like going to, and listening to homeowner sob stories, listening to 50 sob stories to get one or two contracts, uh, sending out 20,000 mailers to get four properties. You know, the 2% average uh, is, doesn't sound really nice to me. <laughs> I mean, some of those can really be home runs. I'd rather the wholesalers do that. I'll pay them and they, they just keep bringing me properties. Okay. Uh, so I, I network with a lot of wholesalers and I actually teach local wholesalers um, how to close their deals. They might have a lead. I, I've sat at kitchen tables with them closing the deal so that I can buy it from them. Yeah. Uh, you know, giving them, well, let's be creative and do this. Or, I, hey, you know what? I can pay your price if we do this on the deal. Uh, it's just any way to make the deals happen. If you have a willing seller, there's going to be a way to do it uh, to get that deal done. Yeah. So that, those, that's my primary driver is my networking that brings in deals. We still get organic lead generation from uh, some of our driving dollars stuff that we do uh, through our contractors or our, our field inspectors that we actually have on our staff. Uh, so we, we develop uh, a list of properties. We do pinpointed mailings for that. Uh, some of my Facebook stuff is geared towards people that want to sell their houses. And we've got some leads from that. I actually got a, a deal that rolled net out over uh, six figures on off of a Facebook lead. It wasn't off of a Facebook ad. 
it was because I'm out there. I'm letting people know what I do. A lady found me and said, hey, you want to come look at my house? She made her an offer. Uh, we're finishing up that remodel, I think, at the end of this month. And uh, we'll net over six figures on it. Oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> That's huge. That's so- uh, and I only paid 130 for that house. So you can find cheap deals. We'll put about 100 into it and we'll sell it around 375 something like that. Yeah. So not bad. Yeah, it's not bad at all. <laughs> yeah, one of my uh, mentors, actually, last year he told me your network is your net worth. I'm, I'm sure you've heard that. It's Well, so your network is your net worth as long as you use it. Of course, yeah. And that's, so many people are like, well, I'm part of this group. Cool. Do you yeah. just let them know what you're looking for? No? Well, how about you do that? And then you can capitalize on it. Yeah. It's not really your network if, you know, you're not actually getting out there and putting in the work to build those relationships. Yeah, yeah. You got to take it to that next step. Of course. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, so as far as going back to contractors, I mean, how do you, do you deal with them directly or manage over them or you have somebody else in, in the, in the office do that? Um, I, I'm still partially involved with that, but that was one of my roles, uh, was vetting the contractors and, and, and going through that process. We actually just, uh, hired on a new project manager for us to, to handle that, developing the scope of works and dealing with the contractors and their pay schedules and, and that kind of stuff. Um, the, the, one of the things that really works for us is we go and take a look at a project that the contractor is on right now, or is just completed. We actually want eyes on their actual work. Okay. Um, both preferably when they're working on a property and when it's completed. Yeah. Now, you have to, when you look at a project, you have to understand that some of that is uh, investor or owner choices. Like, oh, they put a fiberglass insert in the bathroom. I hate that. I, I would never do that. Yeah. But was it installed correctly? Is the word clean? Is the, the, the caulking and the grout all, all clean? That, that's the kind of stuff you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, if I walk into a property that's being worked on and there's like a six pack there and uh, somebody's smoking, I'm not going to hire that contractor. That's just not what we do. Uh-huh. Um, uh, quality of work really matters. Okay. That person takes pride in what they're doing. It's it's, it's going to show and, and, and they, they're they a contractor that you're going to want to consider and have put out your properties. Okay. Uh, another thing. Get a copy of your uh, your contractor's driver's license. If they have an expired driver's license or expired um, uh, registration for their car, they're most likely going to run with your money. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's one of our fail safes. Yeah. Have you had that learning curve in the past? We did. Uh, okay. We actually had a contractor that uh, we reminded him to get his license renewed. He didn't. He ended up going to jail. Uh, for a few different things. It just uh, disappeared for like a week and a half. Yeah. And we had to hire a new contractor. The guy finally got out and um, where he came off the project and it's like, well, can I get my money? We're like, no, you actually owe us money. <laughs> now we're paying another 3000 above what we were paying. Uh, but, you know, things happen and you learn from them. Yeah, good learning curve, right? Ahead of time. <laughs> So, um, and I know you said you, for your team, you actually, you have certain people, um, on payroll and salary. Yeah. So I've talked to other people in the past that have built up teams and they, they 
talk. Um, I'm just kind of curious on reasoning, reasoning why behind you guys, you know, why you decided to go the pay route and salary instead of uh, percentage off the deal. You know, are, are people still very motivated to get well, those deals or are they like that work mentality? Like I'm coming in and clocking in. Yeah. So the re- reason why we went salary is so that we didn't have to deal with the time clock issue. That's not something we want from our employees. We, we came in and said, Hey, you know, we know that in this business, we can be really profitable and do well. Let's build it with the environment that we want. I mean, I'm sitting in here, I got flip-flops on and I'll wear shorts. To the office. We want it to be a nice office atmosphere where everybody enjoys coming to office, to the office and wants to get their work done. We've had bonus structures in the past where we paid. If we hit 10 transactions that month, everybody got a... $500 bonus and then we tiered it up th- things like that to add on to it so that there was incentive. Yeah. Uh, but right now we actually have a new bonus structure that's all based on profitability uh, because we have employees with set uh, jobs, like, Hey, you're doing this. It's not necessarily like a lot of the wholesale world where you have your acquisitions manager. And if they, they lock up that deal, they get 10% of it or whatever the case is. Yeah. yeah. Um, because we're flipping in the way we go, people, have to do their individual jobs on 40, 50, 60 properties at a time. Uh, so what we did is we said, hey, we're basing it on profitability. If the company nets X amount of dollars, everybody gets a bonus this big. And as that profitability goes up for that month, their bonus gets bigger and bigger. So everyone's incentivized to work harder, work faster, work more efficiently so that the company ends up netting more per deal and they end up individually netting more per deal. It's our way to kind of basically give our employees some sort of ownership incentive uh, without having to do ownership paperwork or giving shares of the company, things like that. So uh, they, they seem to like it and they respond. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's smart. And I'm sure you guys go off of, you know, um, fire fast, hire slow uh, mentality as well. And, and finding that good, strong uh, people that are, are go-getters, obviously. Lots of interviews. Yeah, a lot of interviews <laughs> constantly. Okay, cool. Um, what would you give like credit towards your success so far? I mean... You know, take action. Take action, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't just sit and, and, and worry and... Uh, and, you know, you have to, once you know something, you've ran your numbers a couple times on the property, take action. Okay. Uh, and, and that's what holds people back so much is that they're just not the action taker. They're, they're scared. And that's a lot of that has to do because of that little voice next to them, whether it's a family member or just their own uh, self-doubt. You got to go somewhere where you're going to be supported and people are going to believe in you. Um, but that's, that's really, uh, helped. Like I, I'm married and my wife is fully supportive of the business and she's part of it too. Uh, uh, you know, I have a great business partner that we're both on the same page we have constant discussions and, and we have a very open dialogue with each other. Uh, you, you surround yourself with people that want to see you succeed. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I like that. I couldn't agree more. Um, so what, what are some additional goals that you have this year? I, I know you said, what was it? 150? 
Yeah. Okay. That's so, cool. so we've, we've got a busy year. Yeah. What other, what <laughs> other goals besides that? Besides we're, uh, we're opening our own real estate brokerage that should be open within about a month. Oh yeah. Cool. Um, so, I mean, if we're doing 150 flips, that's probably between 200 and 250 uh, realtor transactions that we'll do. Yep. So you might as well take full advantage of that. Yeah, make the whole system. You're going right. to start contractors. Uh, yep. um, uh, we'll probably won't do the contracting business this year. That'll probably be next year. I love it. Um, and then um, uh, just, uh, you know, like I mentioned, I've, I've got my book. And we do some uh, classes and courses uh, involved with that. And I do some, uh, some trainings. So that's uh, another business that we're also growing. And, and, and uh, we're hopefully going to end up doing three events this year. We did two last year. We're looking for three uh, this year. And these aren't mass-produced seminars. We, we do it 20 people intensives. Oh, okay. Uh, nice. uh, that's, uh, that's another goal. Because, yeah, I, I honestly, I've been teaching people for years. And I actually get a lot of joy out of it and seeing people uh, succeed and take action. Yeah. And uh, um, you know, that was part of why I wrote the book to, to help more people do it. But some people just can't do it off of a book and they, they need more and want more. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's so three businesses uh, all expanding. Okay, cool. I like that. So as far as um, just wrapping everything up a little bit here, um, as far as, education and books out there besides your own what what would be uh you know your your most favorite educational book for real estate uh you know i don't like a lot of the real estate books out there okay uh, i find myself I, I gravitate more towards the motivational books the entrepreneurial books okay um uh, uh different thought processes things like that because uh, that all plays into your real estate business. Yeah, uh, you can only read so many times about uh, how to flip a house, how to wholesale a property, how to buy something subject to. It's it, you got to get out there and do it, and to do that, you need that motivation. Yep. Uh, a lot of people fail on the business side of things. So one of the books that I actually always recommend is the Entrepreneur Roller Coaster by Darren Hardy. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a really simple book, uh, full of just lots of little nuggets in there that I, I think is just uh, something that everybody that's starting in this business should read because yeah. you have to treat it like a business. And if you've never ran a business before, uh, there's a whole other mindset to it because you are in charge. You're in charge if it succeeds or fails. Yeah, you got to realize it. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Cool. Um, As you can see, though, I do have a stack of books back here. That's only some of them. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I do read, and that's you always educate yourself. Always get more education on everything. Okay. Nice. So um, before we wrap it up here, do you have any like final thoughts or any any takeaways that we could that you could uh, throw out there? Yeah. One of the questions you asked earlier: What's been most uh, helpful in my business and the creation of it? And uh, networking yep. is key. Uh, you got to get out there and talk to people, whether you're networking for properties, contractors, or money. That, that's what you need. Uh, if, if you're brand new and you're looking to learn this business, go out to the real estate investing meetings. They're out there. Go to meetup.com and just look up your city and real estate. 
There's going to be meetings there. Go to them. Go on Facebook. Go into the national Facebook group pages. This business, this world is huge. Don't pigeon yourself to pigeonhole yourself to this little like I live in this subdivision and that's all I know. There's so much more out there. Uh, so I used to be the guy that sat in the back of the the room, just sipping my drink and thinking, "Hey, if somebody wants to talk to me, they'll find me. I'm here." Well, guess what? They don't even know you're there. I used to be that way too. <laughs> yeah. So you, you got to get out there. Now I'm not saying you got to go stand up on stages and speak or write a book or anything, but go to one of these meetings and just say, I'm going to talk to five people, five people I don't know and have a real conversation with them. I'm going to let them know what I want to do. And I'm going to ask them what they want to do and what they are doing. And maybe there's a connection there that's going to help both of us succeed together. Like that's that. how you network. Yeah. So good. I like that. Cool. So how can we um, add value to you and kind of pour back into to what you got going on, support you? Yeah. Like I said, I'm always looking for contractors, properties, and money. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but basically as far as uh, anybody listening, if you've come across any leads uh, in, in let's just say the Las Vegas Valley or anywhere in Nevada, um, send it to me. Okay. The best way to connect with me is on Facebook. Uh, uh, my book, The Flipping Blueprint, we got a group page for that, The Flipping Blueprint group. Real creative, right? It's a, <laughs> real, it shouldn't be too hard to find. Yeah. Um, there's a couple entry questions to get into it, so make sure you ask the questions. Uh, but participate. As I said, I, I love educating people, and I want you to go in there and ask your questions because if you have that question, um, other people do too. And I, I'm happy to answer those questions and give back. Mm -hmm. And by me giving back, that makes me feel good. So that's how you can actually give to me too. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's all do more deals in 2018 and let's do some deals together. Of course. Now, do you, do you want to shout out a website or email um, or just Facebook? Facebook. Facebook. I'm, I'm on there constantly. Just before we got on, the, on this, I had to shut it down. Uh, yeah. When I'm sitting at my desk, I've got Facebook open because it is a huge tool uh, for networking and people I'm constantly uh, messaging and talking with people on there. Uh, so Luke Weber on Facebook. I, I look like this. <laughs> <laughs> this guy right here. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much, Luke. You are the man. I, I really appreciate, um, you know, you giving back, taking, you know, some extra time out of your day to, to be a part of this and, uh, really help other people out there succeed. Uh, I really, you know, I, I love following your stories and, you know, the, the, the tremendous, you know, feedback that you're giving other people and really just, uh, you know, team building and everything. So I think it's really awesome what you're doing. I really appreciate you. And, um, yeah, thank you guys all so much for joining. This has been another podcast from ready, set, go real estate investing podcast. My name is Brandon Elliott. You can reach me at brandonelliotinvestments.com or my email, brandonelliotinvestments at gmail. And this is my friend, Luke. Thank you so much, buddy. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks. See you guys. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliotinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.